Welcome to Digging Deeper in Grace, a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Our goal each episode is to dig deeper into the scriptures with a focus on our most recent sermon. And now let's dig deeper. Well, hello and good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever, wherever, however you're listening to us today, we welcome you to this episode of Digging Deeper in Grace. I'm your host, Bart Sheridan, and with me today, I'm really excited to have Jay and Andrea Kinsinger and Josh Taylor. Josh serves here at Grace Baptist Church as an elder, his main focus being student ministries to our middle and high school students. And Jay and Andrea, Jay are longtime friends of mine, and my wife, Sandy, they've served in our student ministries here at Grace for most of the past, and it's hard to believe, 28 years, I believe it's been, uh, since you moved to uh, our area, or this part of our area. So our discussion today is going to be specifically focusing on the first four of the Ten Commandments that's relative to our recent Sunday sermon from Tim Cockrell, and that sermon covered Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 11. And so, Josh, first of all, welcome back, and a big thanks for responding a little uh, short notice, so thanks for responding and being here. Really appreciate you being here. Yeah, happy to be here. And, and great also to have some new voices. I know they're just a little nervous uh, about being with us, but uh, they've never done this before, but they'll be old pros here within, the, within a half hour. So Jay and Andrea, great to have you with us. Thank you. Thanks, Bart. Uh, fun fact, and Josh, I don't even know if you know this, you probably do, but uh, two of us in this room actually share a birthday. Do you know that? Jay and Andrea. Jay and Andrea. Yeah, right. uh, they actually share a birthday, November 30th. So uh, happy early birthday. And, uh, but Andrea and is significantly, significantly younger. younger. Yeah. And she didn't jump in, but it was on tip of her tongue. We know. <laughs> Great to point out, Jay. Yeah, That's a marriage-saving move right there. So well, anyway, anytime we, we embark on a discussion of God's law, I think it's really important to accompany it with a discussion of God's grace right along with it. Those are two hand-in-hand uh, comments. And it's as important as ever, I think, really when ministering to student, the student population. I don't think, Josh, I'm exaggerating when I say that this is perhaps one of the most misunderstood concepts among our student population, if not among all Christians. Yeah, I would agree. And you see this throughout Scripture, um, not only here in Exodus 20, when God begins by reminding the people of Israel, I've redeemed you, now here's how you shall live. Um, you see that in the garden. God blesses Adam and Eve and then gives them commands. And of course, we, we know that's true uh, in regards to the gospel as well. We're redeemed by grace and then empowered by the Spirit to walk in obedience. I think, and this is true for myself, uh, growing up in the in a Christian home, in the church, I understood the gospel as the means by which I'm saved, and I kind of left it there. And when I start to think about, well, why do we obey? The best answer I could think of as a kid growing up in the church was, well, that's the least I can do because of what Jesus did for me. And it really is a sort of debtor's ethic, as if I could somehow repay God, and that's not grace. That's not grace. And so what I realized later is that actually Christian obedience is the way we enjoy fellowship with God. And it's the way we were created to live. So the motivation for obedience is not some sort of repayment or thank you, um, although that certainly makes a lot of sense. But really the motivation for obedience is finding joy in the Lord, living as God has created us to live, 
And so that's how we can receive God's commands as a gracious gift from him, because he's actually being gracious in telling us how to live. And the, the whole idea of grace and works, we, we see Abraham, uh, he is brought into God's family. God essentially adopts him and says, you're my one, you're the chosen line. Uh, but we see it based largely, it would seem in the Old Testament, perhaps one could say, based largely on works, it would seem that way. But then we read in places like Romans chapter 4, right, that Abraham himself was justified by what? Justified by faith. Mm -hmm. And we see this through Ephesians, Galatians, uh, on through Romans. Uh, two, two really essential parallel, uh, parallel ideas. So, so, Andrea, let's start with you. God's opening comment as he addresses Moses I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. As you hear that introduction, how does that statement and your experience as a, as a mother, as a, a minister of the gospel, and your understanding of it inform you how you minister to students? Um, yeah, that's a, a great question. Um, I find that opening command actually to be really comforting. Um, God is he's all sovereign he has all authority he is um, my redeemer he's uh, my children's redeemer these students redeemer um, and ultimately they are his um, and he directs their paths and so i can kind of rest in that and not stress so much as a parent or as a um, small group leader in youth group that it's my responsibility to change anyone it, this rests on God, and it it uh, keeps my focus and my dependence where it belongs, and that is on God. It's His work in students' lives. It's His work in our children's lives, um, and my my dependence is on Him to do that. And it keeps me in prayer, um, and yeah, just keeps my focus where it should be. In the, I mean, the hope of that is certain because we reflect on what God has done, right? So the statement is, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, exactly. right? So remember what I've done in the past mm -hmm. and remember who I am. And that's how you can hope I'll continue to work mm -hmm. today and into the future. We mentioned this uh, here, was, I forget it was last week or maybe three weeks ago, talking with Tim Cockrell, the work ethic of rural America especially, but really all of America. Uh, I grew up with the idea that this was a, um, uh, we were in a context in a family of if it's to be, it's up to me. Mm -hmm. Now that was, that was a coach of mine. And on the football field or on the basketball court, it's not a bad ethic. If mm -hmm. it's to be, it's up to me and I got to do my part. But that really doesn't work real well with the Christian life. Yeah, I, it doesn't work at all. It doesn't right. work at all. Yeah. If it's to be, it's up to God. Yes, it's, that's, that's where right. it's got to be. And I, so I, I look at that and I think, okay, for a doer and for one who finds, I've said this before, so I'll say it again, who finds his, um, his worth when I'm not, when I, my eyes aren't focused on Christ, I find my worth in success. Yeah. It's not where I need to be. I need to be focusing and relying on God. Andrew, I would like what you say about the whole idea of it takes a lot of pressure off of me. Mm -hmm. Right. So, uh, Josh, commandment number one, 
you shall have no other gods before me. Seems pretty cut and dried. But in the context of our students, what do you see as some of the biggest obstacles to following this commandment? And I might follow that up with, what can parents do to help their children, uh, middle school, high school in particular, but even as early as two years old? I'm seeing it in grandchildren. Yeah. Yeah, well... I, maybe I'll identify some problems, and Jay and Andrea can tell you how to fix them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, be listening, guys. <laughs> I mean, on Sunday, Pastor Tim identified uh, power, money, sex as three of the big uh, idols, and I think those are a good starting point. Um, they obviously look different in a student ministry context. But the desire for power, you know, to be the top dog at school or be recognized by my peers, that need to fit in and have the approval of others is so compelling for, for high school, middle school students and for adults, right? I mean, that's not a student problem. That's, that's all of us. But it seems magnified in, in high school um, for sex, for the, for the uh whether that be just physical intimacy or just the desire for companionship, um, that can be such an overwhelming idol for mm-hmm. for high school, middle school students. Um, for money, they might not have much, but they love it when they have it. And, uh, and that desire of like, oh, if only I had that kind of money, I could do this. And, and what money can do for them. Um, I might add one more on there, and that is comfort. Um, I think comfort is an idol, particularly for us as uh, Americans, that um, we need to be very cautious against. Um, The desire to just not do hard things, uh, whether that be, um, you know, cutting the grass or doing the dishes or having that difficult conversation or Mm -hmm. confessing my sin and seeking repentance the the resistance to struggle and challenges is is evidence of a, an idolatrous heart that loves comfort and security. So I, I see that as some of the big things happening in our in our kids and honestly in our own hearts. Mm-hmm. And and like I said, uh, let's not leave it with a middle school, high school, or adults. Uh, we see that, you know, see that in little grandbabies. I'm sure Jay and Andrea have seen that in grandchildren. But uh, the the desire to reign, <laughs> yes. to be supreme, mm-hmm. and uh, be on top. Yep, the alpha dog kind of thing. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's not only for those that are the <clears throat> uh, hard chargers. Uh, that's all of us have that desire to be, be known. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, while we're on the subject of who God is, uh, that third commandment tells us. Uh, that third commandment tells us, uh, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Uh, something about a person's name that's important to understanding them. We've already had some indication of this in chapter 3, chapter 19, about how seriously God takes his name. Jay, you want to talk about this? Can you share how a parent might instruct and model the keeping of this particular commandment? Well, I think um, humility is key here. And uh, when you do go awry, it's important to to own it. Um, Some of the most uh, humbling things I've had to do is ask for my kids' forgiveness when I blow it in this area. 
you know, it's easy to just kind of trivialize um, who God is sometimes and just look at it as a, um, uh, I don't know, kind of a, uh, what's the right word? Um, just a, um, <laughs> what is the right? Uh, just, just sort of like a, a magic ticket. Uh, the genie in the yeah, bottle. There you go. Thank yep. you. Yeah. And, you know, to, to uh, when you're finished with a prayer, you always, you know, say in Jesus' name. And, and it's just sort of like a formula formula you keep. Uh, but um, there's really more to it about, than that. Mm-hmm. And that speaks to the importance of having regular discussions with your kids. Yes. Right? And uh, attributing to God what is owed God as far as as uh, honor, as far as uh, not blaming him for the bad, but uh, recognizing that, you know, look what God has done mm-hmm. and having those regular conversations. I know in our family, we have tried, and oh, how many times we failed, but we've tried to rehearse whether it's at Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. uh, usually we're not that uh, we're not that uh, much of a model family. But it's just during off the cuff where we say, "Hey, look what God's done," and try even our adult children, reminding them, "Do you remember this?" And so building up God's name there. But also, uh, the other thing that strikes me as I'm as I hear you talking, Jay, is the importance of looking at scripture and seeing some of those names that we see in scripture, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, uh, even the, the, you know, that name that he gives in there in chapter three in Exodus, Yahweh, what exactly does that mean? What does I am mean? And trying to talk about that, it's hard. We'll, we'll never, we'll never end that discussion, will we? We'll never end that discussion of who God is. Yeah. Well, I think, Another thing that really helps this whole process is just faithfully coming to church with your family um, for your kids to be sitting in corporate worship and to hear songs that are often exalting the name of Jesus Christ or our, our triune God and just to have those weekly rhythms of we praise God for who he is. And that's what church does. And I think that's really formative for kids. Well, you know, we used to have a saying at home, <clears throat> we don't smoke or drink or chew or run around with girls who do, but we also don't take God's name in vain. And it's, in one way, it's an easy commandment to take if you train your mind and your mouth not to say that, but Josh, you speak to trivializing God's name. We also need to be purposeful in how we say God's name. I've heard it said that for someone who wants to control another, they name them. Mm-hmm. Somebody who likes to do uh, give nicknames to people can be a form of controlling that and identifying who they want that person to be. Mm-hmm. And when when we name God as uh, the big guy in the sky, mm-hmm. or you know my buddy upstairs, mm-hmm. that trivializes God, doesn't it? So I'm thinking, I'm thinking in that way, uh, maybe a little outside of the, what we would normally think about, you know, the oaths that we hear 
so many in our society and one need only turn on the TV for a half hour and you hear plenty of that. So, hey, I want to go back because one, I don't want to let you off the hook, Andrea. <laughs> one of the questions that I, I talked about here just a, a few moments ago, um, you know, in the context of our students, some of the biggest obstacles to following the, the first commandment, but that is uh, also what are some things that parents can do to help those ones you know under our charge no other gods before me right um i think that just as a as a parent um understanding reminding ourselves that our our kids are in a process of growth they're teenagers uh, or younger and um they're they're young they're immature they're growing um, socially, emotionally, spiritually, all these ways. And we can't be, we need to be careful not to be discouraged that, oh, they're not where we think they should be. Okay, that's because they're not where they're going to be. They are in a process of growing. And just being patient with that and demonstrating, demonstrating grace to them um, through their process. And that really does require uh, a lot of conversation with our kids. Um, they need to feel heard and understood. Um, and as they feel heard and understood from us, then we are able to direct them and gain their ear. Um, and that's especially, you know, as teenagers, when kids are little, we can just tell them what to do. When they're teenagers, not so much. Um, they need to feel heard and understood, and we really do need to demonstrate grace as they grow and mature in this process. Um, of understanding how to handle, you know, idols. What do they worship in their life? Um, Pastor Tim said that our hearts are idol factories. Um, well, this world is also an idol factory. It's just cranking out things for our kids or the stu and students to worship. And we just really need as adults to come alongside with grace and see where they're at and know that they are in process of growing and um, understand them and have them felt heard and understood in that process. And as part of that, would it not be true also perhaps not to expect, first not to expect our children to be what they will one day be, right. but also not to put expectations on them athletically, musically, drama, grades-wise, that would force them into a performance mentality. Absolutely. It just encourages them to then bow to that and worship that. And that's the wrong focus. Yeah, and, and let's face it, I know your kids, you know mine. Um, we both had our struggles. We've shared some of those with each other over the years on vacations that we've taken together and so forth. But we, uh, let's face it, we've been very fortunate. We haven't had to deal with some of the things that maybe some of our listeners are dealing with. So let's talk, and I'm, I'm going to focus here on Jay and Andrea. Let's talk then about those those struggles. And we've had some struggles, uh, but not near what some are facing even right now. Talk to the parent who is dealing with that kid who just, that, that young one who just really has no desire for God. They're in church every week. They have no desire for God. They're not showing any, any proactivity. Uh, maybe they're just absolutely <clears throat> repudiating uh, anything to do with God. 
Can you give the, our listeners some ideas of what they might do, or some things uh, that they might do, or maybe more importantly, not do? Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's tough, isn't it? Uh, obviously, prayer is key yeah. in this. Uh, we talked about this already today, that God is the Redeemer. God is sovereign. He is the one who changes hearts. And so begging him to do that in the lives and hearts of our children yeah, we, we've seen it um, in other people's kids more than ours, but uh, instances where they just kind of go off the rails. Uh, and thankfully, God's not, you know, he writes the final chapters sometimes, and we, we've watched them come around and um, become trophies of grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, so prayer, I think, is maybe the only tool that I can think of that would really be effective. So you're saying take the long view. Yes. And remember, as we can go back to a prior comment, it's not about what we do. We can do all the right things. Mm-hmm. We can obey, you know, sparing the rod, spoiling the child, raising up a child in the way it should go. Yep. But it's God who gives the increase. And I guess I just want to throw out there, too, just really focusing on maintaining a strong relationship with that child. Um, I love you no matter what. Absolutely. Keep that relationship strong. Keep conversation going. Keep demonstrating grace to them. As you model grace and love to them, they helps them to understand God's grace and love, that, that it's never too late to, um, to come to Christ. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's tough. It it's a tough, tough situation, yeah. right? And just ride it out and know that God's in control. Right. Thanks. I appreciate your comments. Okay. Now, here's a tough one in our society. And, Jay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at you on this. Tim made a statement on Sunday morning regarding our Sunday commitments, and in particular in the context of the fourth commandment, the uh, Sabbath. He suggested that too many of us are placing other activities ahead of our commitment to the local church. So let's talk to those in family leadership roles, and let's talk to all of us. Just how important is it for parents and other adults who influence our youth to model a commitment to worship and fellowship with the local body? And let's talk directly to those matters of placing worship in a normal Sunday morning setting. Maybe for some who are listening, it's a Saturday night, you know, whatever day you worship. But in, in worship to God and also fellowship with the local church. Yeah, well, first of all, those are my toes that he stepped on in that message. (laughs) Uh, I've not been 100% successful with this uh, in this area. Um, I harken back to my years growing up, and it was a different culture back in the 60s when the the stores were closed and, you know, church or Sundays were just boring, something that you dreaded. Um, and, And I think that has to change, you know, we have to have an environment where our kids could look forward to worship and spending time um, with their family and in the church. Um, in Mark chapter 2, 27, the Lord says, uh, the Sabbath is made for man, not the man for Sabbath. So it's really doing ourselves an injustice when we jam pack our week and, and don't take a, a break and, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, and, and recognize the need for that. So, uh, you know, some practical things would be, well, we 
typically would eat leftovers on Sunday to give Andrea a break. Um, but then there's the idea of maybe prepping uh, meals on Saturday, or it doesn't have to be Saturday, uh, Sunday, but yeah, it's usually that way in our culture. And, uh, you know, doing things fun as a family, make it something that your kids uh, look forward to, not dread. Of course, we're not going to get into a deep theological uh, dive into the whole idea of the Sabbath, but uh, I, I, this came to me back in uh, when I was in college, and of course, you know, when do you study? You study whenever you can, and certainly on the weekends and Saturday and Sunday. I kind of adopted a, well, I'm going to try to get it all done on Saturday. Mm -hmm. I have a sneaky suspicion that at least my body was made for a six-day work cycle. <laughs> I, I just see I need that Sunday and on the days where I can't, uh, where, where I don't have anything to do on Sunday anyway and I really want to go out and do so, when I don't, I, I benefit from it on Monday especially. Now, I can't prove that and uh, so don't try to tear me down all you professional theologians out there but uh, I have a sneaky suspicion. Anyway, let's move on. Josh, there may be a student, or more likely someone of any age, could be, who, who is listening now. They're having a very difficult time feeling good enough to be loved by God. In the context here of the first four commandments, how do you respond to that person, that person feelings of inadequacy? How could God love me? Look at what I've done. Uh, look what I've not done. How do you respond to that person? Yeah, I think... Um <clears throat> that's probably something we've all felt from time to time. Um, I remember once hearing a pastor say, you are far more sinful than you could ever know, and you are far more loved than you could ever dream of. Mm. And you can't outrun either end of that spectrum. Um, and so there's a sense in which that that feeling of, oh man, I've really messed up. I, that that's appropriate to feel that before a holy God. And yet, at the same time, we can't stay there as believers. Um, and so the way we get out of that kind of uh, situation, the way that I would encourage a believer is <clears throat> to remind them of gospel truths, to remind them that we have an advocate before the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, 1 John 2, 2, that nothing can separate us from the law of God in Christ Jesus, Romans eight thirty one, 31, um, that we are saved by grace through faith, um, not by works, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, and just continue to, to point them back to the sufficiency of Christ's sacrifice and the ongoing realities of his intercession for us. Um, because, you know, the, the cultural approach would be, no, you are good enough. You know, that, that would be... We hear that every day, don't right, we? Right, right. And, and that's not a biblical approach. The biblical approach is to say, yes, we are broken, we've messed up, we've sinned, we've rebelled. And yet, that, you know, a song we often sing it in church, our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. Right? So, so holding up both those truths side by side is really important to help balance us as believers and so you know if there's a, a student or my own heart is thinking I, I just can't be loved by God I need to be reminded of God's love because it's unlike the love I'm thinking of in that moment um, so I think 
you know, again, that's that's where relationships, especially in the church, are so important to be able to have people that you're willing to share that kind of statement with, and they're willing to come back with what's true. I think that I might say to that student, perhaps, you're right, you aren't good enough to be loved by God, and neither am I, and that's the beauty. the club? Yeah, that's the beauty of, of Christianity, of, of grace, that it's not about us, it's about God. It's about His character, His love, and it's about Christ, and who we are positionally in Him. And um, that that takes the performance and the pressure off of us. It, it puts the light on God where it should be, because it, it is about Him. It's about His love for us, despite ourselves, and because of Christ and His work on the cross. Um, and if we could connect that back, we keep using the term performance, and I keep thinking of our conversation at the beginning about obedience. And again, if Christian obedience is a means of thanking God or is a means of, I, one of the things Tim mentioned was uh, subtly hoping that it would kind of coerce God into giving us what we want. If that's what Christian obedience is all about, then then you're missing the point entirely. Um, it's not performance. It's not to be... Uh, made right before God, it's a response, right, to God's grace to us. And I think that's so important to keep before our, our minds. So just to summarize that point, what I'm hearing is if you're feeling that way, that you're not good enough, uh, come join the Josh, Jay, Andrea, Bart crew, and because uh, we're not good enough either. And I, uh, Josh, what you say there is so important, having those individuals to whom you can go at any time and say, look, I'm struggling. Isn't that what the church is supposed to be? Mm-hmm. Really. And, and those of us who want to have a pat answer, well, you just read your Bible more. Just pray more. That'll take care. Quite honestly, that's probably one of the worst things you can tell somebody who's just not feeling it. Although those are good things to do. I think just throwing ourselves on God and just maybe spending time with that person, that young person or that older person who may be feeling the same thing. They've lost a, a spouse mm-hmm. or a child. And they're saying, where's God today? Yeah. Just being with each other. Yeah. And that, I mean, that is what having a word ministry is about, right? Um, You're not going to want to open your Bible and read it. So I'm going to open mine and read it to you, right? Because I, I can be that embodiment of God's encouragement to you, even when you don't want to or have the energy to yourself. Well, so in less than a year of marriage... If you haven't already found that out, it's very true. I'm, I'm going to yeah. be I'm going to be following up with you. See if you're doing that for Kylie. I guess she's probably going to do it for yeah. you. But I know that you two have had to deal with the same thing, even in the past year, year and a half, where maybe one of you have had to say to the other, "Yeah, but look what we've got." And, oh, and yeah. we're not going to go into it right now. But you've been through enough this past year and a half of physical issues, where I know that you've had to encourage one another, and you've reached out to others for encouragement, mm-hmm. and uh, whether it's friends across the dinner table or whatever it is, just reminding, remembering that you're not alone. And uh, hey, I've got you in this. So, well, Jay, Andrea, Josh, thanks so much for taking time to be with us. I know it's been a real profitable time. I'm going to say for our church and those, everybody else who's listening, just to hear some real simple but real profound truths in the Word of God. Thank you. Thanks, Bart. Thank you. It's good to have you. 
Well, I've been enjoying my discussion with Jay and Andrea Kinsinger and Josh Taylor. I hope you've been enjoying it too. And they've been our guests for this episode of Digging Deeper in Grace. We've been discussing a recent sermon from Exodus chapter 20 that's been with a special emphasis on ministry to our student population. And you can access Grace Sermons and podcast episodes, including this most recent one, that's on demand by visiting gracecedarville.org on the World Wide Web and clicking the Media tab. We also encourage you to share your questions and comments with us each week by emailing them to contact at gracecedarville.org. That's contact at gracecedarville.org. Plan to join us next week. We'll continue our discussion of God's Word in Exodus chapter 20. And until we meet again, I'm your host, Bart Sheridan, thanking you for tuning into this week's episode of Digging Deeper in Grace. Digging Deeper in Grace is a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Visit us online at gracecedarville.org and join us next time as we continue our discussion. In the meantime, we invite you to continue digging deeper in grace as you read God's Word.